We are in a series called Jesus Said, um, the red words out of the Bible, what the things that Jesus spoke. And, and it should be obvious to us as a church why we would want to focus on that. Uh, we want to focus on that because Jesus was God. Colossians said Jesus is the image of the invisible God. He is the thing you can see of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him, the fullness of God dwelling in Jesus. So if we want to know God, if we want to become better disciples, if we want to become fully devoted, if we want to follow Christ, listening to his words seems like a really important thing to do. So we've dedicated this summer to, to think about, listen to the words of Jesus. Um, so each teacher got to pick uh, some words of Jesus that they were going to focus on. And I right away knew that I was going to pick uh, the Beatitudes, uh, and and uh, the Beatitudes are these first eight verses out of the, the Sermon on the Mount. So in Matthew chapter 5, if you have your Bibles with you, Matthew chapter 5, it says that Jesus um, saw all these crowds of people who were interested in hearing what he said. And he, then he withdrew to the mountain and he gathered his disciples around him and he said... And then it goes on and on and on of this amazing uh, thing that we call the Sermon on the Mount uh, that Jesus spoke but as he started, the first eight sentences that he says are just these very tiny, compact little things. But for being very tiny, compact little eight sentences, there is so much in them. In fact, as I was uh, studying again uh, um, for this, I kind of knew the direction I was going. But, but the, those eight verses, those, those beatitudes are so uh, widely interpreted. So many people have written so many words about what those words mean. So at one point, I'm like doubting myself, even thinking, could could it all be in there? Are we just making stuff up? And then I go back to, for God was pleased to have his fullness dwell in him. A teacher who has God's fullness dwelling in him can say eight tiny sentences and and confound the world for 2000 years. Yes, that's possible. That's absolutely possible. So we're going to look at these uh, eight little sentences um, I'll read them all to you here so you can get a feel for it and then we'll go one by one through. Blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Listen as if you were, I'm, this is hard a stretch, but as if you were on the mountain with Jesus who is speaking these words. Blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, because theirs is the kingdom of heaven. So I want to first look at this one, the word that is repeated in every one of those. Blessed, blessed are they. And this is my error. I wrote blessing on the slide and on your bulletin. I made two errors in one. Uh, my fault. Blessed, blessed, the word that is used over and over in there means one meaning of it is to be on the right path, to be going in the right direction. Um, it's the opposite of being a sinner or sinning, which is to be called lost, right? You are lost if you are going on the wrong path. You are blessed if you are following the right path. So I'm going to, I'm going to, I just love that phrase. Uh, you are on the right path. You know, you're on the right path. 
See, because one of the things that happens to us as Christians is as I earnestly try to figure out if I'm doing it right, right? This is something that goes through my head a lot. Am I doing it right? Am I following right? I really want to. Am I? And so Jesus, one way to look at this is Jesus gives us these eight signposts. These eight, these eight markers. It's like when you're on I-80 and you're like, am I still on I-80 or did I miss a turn somewhere? Oh, I-80. Thank you. Thank you, highway. Jesus does that for us too. You're on the right path. You're on the right path when you mourn. You're on the right path when you find that you have some meekness. You're on the right path when you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You're on the right path. It's a comfort. Um, also though, a lot of people have thought that these eight Beatitudes actually string together and form a path that you take in your Christian walk, in your development. You will move from one stone to the next stone to the next stone. And clearly it's not 100% linear like that. In fact, exactly as Dave was talking about last week, there's, there's some uh, spiralosity. I made up that word. There's some spiralosity to it. You will visit the same stones over and over and over. You will, and you will re- be back in that spot again. And you will wonder again, just like Dave said last week. You will wonder again, am I on the right path? You're on the right path. You're on the right path. So let's dig into them. You're on the right path. Blessed are the poor in spirit. You're on the right path when you realize that you have a poverty of spirit. When you realize that your spirit, your inner more self, that thing that's deeper inside of you is poor, is sick, needs help. Chip and uh, Dan Heath write these secular books that are great books. Uh, one of them is called Made to Stick. It's an amazing book. One of them is called Switch. In the book Switch, they have this idea that, that is such a great um, visual that I need to borrow it. They say that you and I are like an elephant and a rider. There's an elephant, which is this big part of you that they, they call the emotion, that is going to eventually get its way. It's going to do what it wants to do. It's an elephant. And there's this little tiny rider on top of it that is your intellect and your willpower. And sometimes that can steer the elephant and tell it where to go. But eventually, the elephant's going to do what the elephant's going to do, right? These guys are are brilliant, but they didn't make that up. The Bible has, has, has all similar kinds of things in it. Paul talks about the difference between the mind and the spirit or the mind and the heart. Jesus talks about your heart. Paul talks about how we, out of, out of what's inside of us, our mouths flow. Jesus says the same thing. Out of what's inside of you, Pharisees, he's talking to them. Pharisees, you think you're clean, but it's all clean on the outside. The inside is dirty and out of the inside comes what's going to eventually be on the outside. The spirit is the elephant. The spirit is the thing about who you really are. And eventually, that spirit, that thing that is stored up inside of you is what's coming out. Blessed are you. You're on the right path. When you discover that that spirit, that bigger thing, that inside of you is sick, is poor, is not right. We, we all come to this conclusion at some point. Well, not everyone does. A lot of us in the room have come to this conclusion at some point that we are poor in spirit. Uh, and, and, and it says, Jesus, I love the tags that come with them. Jesus says, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. <laughs> That's a big claim for someone who just has discovered that their spirit is broken. That their spirit needs to be re- revised, turned alive again. Blessed are those who mourn. You're on the right path 
when that fact grieves you, when you've just understood that you have a poverty of spirit and that grieves you and that makes you sad and that makes you mourn for yourself. You're on the right path when that makes you mourn. This is kind of easy to understand if I'd switch it from such a heavy, deep topic of the spirit to a topic of cookies. Uh, when you decide at some point in your life that you need to eat a little better than you were eating when you were a young kid, you sometimes say, okay, this is it. I'm going to do that. And I'm going to, I'm going to be healthier and it's going to be great. It's going to have all these wonderful benefits to my, to me. But I grieve cookies. When I see a cookie, I am sad. I look at it and I say, I will never be able to enjoy you again like I used to. Yesterday, no lie, my son says to my wife, Keep the cookies coming. (laughs) And I thought, yeah, exactly. When I was his age and I was shaped like that, (laughs) I could do the same thing. Keep those cookies coming, mom. I'm not like that anymore. And I look at cookies and I grieve over the fact that I can no longer do that. Even though I know what's best for me. This same thing is in our, in our spirit, in our poverty of spirit. Even once we understand that is sick, that is broken. As we start moving forward, we grieve as we understand. I, you mean I, I have to stop that? I know it's going to be good. I know it's for the best, but I grieve it as I move forward. Blessed are you when you mourn. You're on the right path. You're on the right path. When sometimes you look longingly at the poor spirit you used to have and grieve it. Even when you know that is not right. You will be comforted. You will be comforted. Blessed are the meek. You know you're on the right path when you emerge from that grieving with some humility. This doesn't seem like a hard stretch, a hard next step to take. When I, when it fully dawns on me who I am, and I understand that I am poor of spirit, and when I grieve the fact that I have such a long ways to go, and it's going to be such a, 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 a death and life process to get me there, it's not hard for me to emerge from that with some meekness, with some humility. As I was thinking about examples, I, I was thinking, uh, uh, if you have a tragedy in your life, uh, I, I can remember when my mom died, you go through this, you know, you go through this grief time and, and, and there's a lot of crying and tears and then you emerge and you are at this spot of kind of meekness, kind of, I see a bigger picture. I see how I fit in a little bit. It's not a time period where I'm going to go just try to tackle the world. I, I'm more sit in, in some quietness and some reflection. Blessed are the meek. You're on the right path when you emerge from grief with meekness. You will be comforted. Oh, you will inherit the earth. For you will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. You are on the right path. You see a signpost go by when you long for things to be right. When you hunger and thirst for things to be right. They just should be right. It's a, this is a turning point. In the first three Beatitudes, it's kind of, let me say, navel-gazing. It's kind of inside introspection and, and, and being with yourself. For you type A personalities, you go-getters out there, you action plan people, this is where the corner turns. You can wake up again. You step out of meekness and you hunger and you thirst for things to be right. And you pursue things being right. 
You go get something. This is where work starts to get done and sleeves get rolled up and scriptures come out and we hunger and thirst for things to be right. Uh, this In the exercise example, I have had, not right now, but I have had in my life this time period where once you start exercising, you get through the grind of it and every time it's really horrible, there's some day where you're like, wait a second, I just realized I'm actually wanting to ride my bicycle. I'm, tr- I'm thinking about how can I work out my day so that I ride my bicycle today? And miracle of miracles, I'm actually uh, eating differently, not because I'm trying to resist cookies, but because I know what will help me ride my bike. How weird is that? I'm longing for, I'm yearning for, continuing in this discipline that I started a while ago. And somehow, I don't know how the switch got flipped, but somehow I have taken a step to another stone. And now I'm hungering, I'm thirsting for things to be right. In the spiritual world, it's the same thing. We crave things to be as God wants them to be. I want the kingdom to happen in myself and in the world. And that's one thing I'd say. There's, there's uh, commonly two paths here. One is, I want personal rightness. I want me to be right. That's a, a large group of people focus on that. And a large group of people focus on societal rightness. I want society to be right. I want the world's systems to correct. I'm going to weigh in on which one is better. Both. <laughs> both are better. Right? They are both right. Uh, so. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness. They will be filled. Blessed are the merciful. You're on the right path when you show mercy to other people. This is amazing to me because think about, let's go back to our cookies. What's inevitably the next step that happens after you finally emerge into this thing where you're saying, I'm hungry for righteousness. What's inevitably the next, next step? You look down your long nose at everyone else who's not doing it the exact same way as you are, right? I cannot believe he put a cookie near his mouth. Right? You suddenly are uh, all into yourself and proud about what you're doing. I can't believe, and it happens in the church too. I cannot believe this was a, a, my grandfather wrote a letter to the editor in Pella, Iowa. Oh, holiness. It is the center of holiness. I cannot believe that kids these days are, are playing cards. Obviously, they are not Christians. I don't care that they go to church on Sundays and Wednesdays and Thursdays and Saturdays. They are not Christians if they look at an ace on a piece of paper. It was more mean than that. I cannot believe, we, we say, that someone would drink. I cannot believe that someone would have tattoos. I cannot believe that someone would buy a new coat or a new car or a boat or a vacation trip or a bottle of water when they could be giving that to the poor. I can't believe it. I can't believe they would interpret Scripture that way or this way. I can't believe they would be a Republican or a Democrat or that they wouldn't be an Independent. I can't believe uh, that, that people would do that. Huh. You're on the right path when you show mercy to others. This one is about getting down off your high horse and, and being with people. It's so amazing to me that so quickly after uh, uh, grieving and mourning and having humility that Jesus has to say, and, and you're on the next step when you understand that you need to have mercy to people. That you need to remember where you just were. That you need to understand that God corrects you and God corrects them, maybe at different rates, maybe with different things. 
Maybe six months from now, they're looking down their nose because you haven't corrected the thing that they've corrected. No, get off your horse. Get in the dirt. Show mercy. Show love. You're on the right path when you show mercy. For And this is awesome. For they will be shown mercy. Oh, yeah, right. I guess I still need some. I guess I still need some. Blessed are the pure in heart. You're on the right path when your heart loves others. When your heart is pure. This one is the bookend to the first one. The first one that said the word spirit and it says, Blessed are you when you understand that you have a poor spirit. This one's really talking about that same thing, but saying now, only six beatitudes later, Blessed are you when you're, when you, uh, have a pure heart. That same thing. Pure heart. I really, as I approach this one, I'm like, I don't even know what to say. Can you imagine having a pure heart? Can you imagine seeing this signpost go by on your walk? Oh, I have a pure heart. Well, jolly for me. I don't know when that's going to happen to me. Uh, but blessed are you when you have a pure heart. So the only thing I can reconcile about this one is Don Williams. Do you know Don Williams? Don Williams, among other amazing things that he does, he runs the marathon team at Orchard Hill. And he gets people who don't run, who have a poverty of leg strength, to run marathons just for a few short months after he's met them. Not 5Ks, not 10Ks, marathons. I don't know. I don't understand it. It doesn't make sense to me. I have several friends who are not runners, really not not runners, who have run marathons with Don Williams. My really good friend Carla Chestnut, I, 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 I say to her all the time, how in the world did that work? How did you do that? And she says the same thing to me every time. I don't know. I don't understand it. All I know is this. Don Williams looked me straight in the eye and said, Carla, you can do it. And I believed him. (laughs) It's so weird. It's so amazing. He told me I could do it and I believed him. This is how I approach this beatitude. God's saying, Jesus is saying, Kurt, you're on the right path when you discover you have a pure heart. You can do it. (laughs) Wow. I hope so. Someday. For they will see God. For they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers. You're on the right path when you become a peacemaker, when you become someone who is generating peace, creating peace. One of the major themes of the Bible, by the way, all the Beatitudes deal with major themes of the Bible. This one is no exception. One of the major themes of the Bible is the war, the enmity that has come between us and God because of our sin. And the Bible describes it exactly that way. There is a war. There is a fight. There is a disagreement. There is a a not coming togetherness between us and God. And that Jesus' mission, plan, and and what he's going to accomplish is is to get that to be gone. He is going to bring peace. It's one of the big titles of him. The peacemaker of the world to God, reconciling us back to God. And so this beatitude says, you're on the right path when you start doing that. When you start reconciling the world to God. It's, it's different than a negotiator. A negotiator, we send negotiators into the Middle East to negotiate peace, right? All they're trying to do is find some way that two parties can agree to still hate each other, but not punch each other with bullets. Um, those are negotiators. Peacemakers are people who fix the problem, who make love happen, who bring the sides together so that they actually um, are, are together. Blessed are you when you're a peacemaker, when you're fixing problems. 
and they will be called children of God. Of course they will. Of course they will, because they are spawned. They are of God if they're making peace. Blessed are you when you are persecuted because of righteousness. You're on the right path when you are out of step with culture. This is like a downer. These steps have been getting more and more fun every time. And now this one is uh, not so much fun. There's a lot of writing, of course, about this one. What in the world is this one from? Or what does it mean? How serious is it? Here's my take, and I'm just going to tell you, I could be wrong. There's a lot of takes about this one. My take is that this is where the loop loops back on itself. This, this, this path that we've been taking, all of a sudden we realize, we're, hey, I'm kind of back at the beginning. What I do not think is that God, that Jesus is saying, the worse your life is, the better off you are. The, the more on the right path you are, the, hor- the more horrible things are, the better off you are and the more you're following. I don't think he's saying that. I think this one is looping back on itself. And saying, you know, guess what, guys? When you're doing these things, when you are like that, you are going to be out of step with culture, and culture is not going to like it. In fact, here's what I, uh, one way I think about this: the the scriptures, the the Hebrew scriptures, and 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 when Jesus was talking, they had so much more thought about how they were as a group, how they were as a community. Lots of Jesus words, lots of Paul words use the use these um, uh, multiple pronouns that we and us. And we turn them into I. We hear everything that they're saying as if it were just for me. And they were saying it as a group of people. And I think when we start thinking about ourselves as a culture, we understand that cultures also have spirits. And that cultures also have a ability to have a poverty of spirit. You can think about it in any kind of size and scale you want to. The world has a poverty of spirit, a poverty of culture. There are things wrong. The United States has a poverty of spirit in some ways. Your family, let's just get it right down. Your family, in some ways, has a poverty of spirit. There are things that aren't right about how the culture, how the dynamic works. Your small group, your friendship group, sometimes has a poverty of spirit. And I think it's coming back around and saying, somebody inside the culture is going to start to become the pinpricks, saying, we have a poverty of spirit, we need to understand, we need to, we need to deal with it. And the culture doesn't like that. No one wants to hear that we as a group have a problem. And so more and more, as we start uh, saying, you know what? I think we should act out of meekness. The culture says, no, you are an idiot. You know what? I think we should be making peace, not war. (laughs) No, you're dumb. Right? More and more you feel like, wait a second. Am I wrong or are they wrong? Yes. Yes. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. He repeats the same blessing of the first one. For theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Recreating the kingdom of heaven. So, uh, what encourages me about this and what I hope encourages you about this is that we come here trying to figure out how does this work? How do I know if I'm on the right path? And I think it's so helpful and so uh, so um, fun to th- watch Jesus say, you know you're on the right path if you realize you have a poverty of spirit, that you mourn for that, that you emerge in meekness. You know you're on the right path if you hunger and thirst for righteousness. You know you're on the right path when you show mercy to each other. You know you're on the right path when you discover you have a purity of heart. 
Or for me, I'll at least say, I'm on the right path if my heart is becoming purified. I, and this is as far as I'm willing to go there. You know you're on the right path when you're a peacemaker. You know you, that you're on the right path when you're out of step, when you're not fitting in anymore, when you become the thing that is trying to regenerate a new culture. So I hope that's giving you some encouragement about walking your path. And I'm going to pray. Father God, one thing it's, that has been so fun about this series this summer is just rethinking about the uh, obvious but amazing truth that Jesus could say things that were so deep and rich because he was God. That alone has, has been such a blessing to me. And I hope to us as a community. And I pray that we can move forward from here and, and look at these words, these eight tiny sentences, these eight things that Jesus just seemed to spit out and, and, and think them deeply and be encouraged by them and, and, and maybe even look for the next st- stepping stone on our path. Thanks for your help and for your encouragement. In Jesus' name, amen.